millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's Royal Visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. What is happening, people? How are you today? I am Santa Claus, Sam, to my left on the screen, to the, that way, we've got Ben Chase at Big Gentle Ben, and this is the Palazzo Podcast, Half Hour Power of Prospects. Ben, how are you doing? Say hi to the people. Hey, I, you know, I'm doing okay. I survived Thanksgiving, which is always, you know, a good thing. Um, now we just have, in my family... Of my four children, three of them have birthdays starting between December 3rd and January 4th, plus there's Christmas. So it's it's a heckish time in our family right about now, because this is a good time for me to have zero money. That's <laughs> pretty, pretty much what happens. So. That sounds like it's super busy, lots of Capricorns. Not that I'm big oh, into yeah. astrology, but I have... No. Uh, between my wife and her two sisters and my mother and uh, several other people that I know, I've got a lot of Capricorn birthdays also. And that that time between Christmas and New Year's and the beginning of the year is always so tough. Those people feel like they get left out of birthdays. And especially when you got a bunch together, you might have group birthday parties like that's that's tough. But Thanksgiving, you made it through Thanksgiving. How many people yeah. were at your house? Oh, not my house. We go to my mom's. Okay. And, uh because um, she's she's essentially designed her house in order to host, and she is okay. an amazing cook. So love that, love that. Um, my brother had his six plus one of them has a spouse and a child, so there's eight there. Then the other brother and his two kids, so there's another four, and then my family was five. So you got seventeen plus my parents is nineteen people in the house. So it was a busy place. I love it. I love it. We only had 11 at our house and it felt like a small Christmas. We were missing four <laughs> direct family members and three others that also show up. So I'm very used to having that big holiday tradition. And, yeah. you know, I know the holidays are tough for some people and I, you know, my heart goes out to them, but whenever you're able to get together like that as family and really enjoy yeah. each other, like that is some of the best time that you can spend on the planet. So, oh, you yeah. know, and if your mom has set up her house to hosting that kind of stuff, it oh, sounds like you guys man. had the best food to eat. Oh, yeah. She's, anything, she's amazing. Now, is there anything controversial about your Thanksgiving spread that you want to share or a take that you have or the dish that you have to have every Thanksgiving? Is there is there one nugget of Thanksgiving that you can share from your family for us? Uh, let's see here. Just a second here. Just noticing something that... Just kind of note on my. There you go. Ta-da! Now is that better? There we go. Oh, um, you sounded you sounded good both ways. So I, he was just mentioning that it didn't sound like my Yeti. So I got it in. I got it changed. We got it changed <laughs> within the first couple of minutes. Yeehaw! Um, but I'm sorry. So for 
I guess I got to get your question again here, Sam. As far so as- that that nugget of Thanksgiving, like, is there a controversial take that you guys do with your Thanksgiving? Is there one side dish that you always have to have? Is there what is that thing about your Thanksgiving get together besides the people, the merriment, the memories? What mm-hmm. is that that food item that you guys either have to have or don't include because you know, like I said, you have a hot take on Thanksgiving dinner. Well. So I threw this one into the the Palazzo Discord. Coming from this area where, frankly, mac and cheese is a normal, like, three times a month uh, dinner with our family. And all of the stuff with Thanksgiving is starch. We don't do anything mac and cheese with Thanksgiving. Never have. I've never understood that take. Um... But one of the things, my wife is pescatarian and also can't do dairy. And so we end up having like multiple multiple uh, mashed potatoes because you have to have one that's dairy-free. Okay. We'll have a, a dairy-free slash meat-free uh, stuffing. So no chicken bullion or, you know, or broth or anything involved. And then there's always fish. My, my mom always does something fish that my wife can eat. Oh, sweet. It's it's amazing what we have for a spread every year. Now, what I will say, my every, every Thanksgiving is my mother's pecan pie it, to die for. So that's my always I have to have every Thanksgiving. Uh, a la mode, with whipped cream, with Cool Whip, or just naked? Just naked. Okay. I, I it's, it's so stinking good, just naked. I, I feel like it gets too sweet if I put anything on it. Cup, cup of coffee or a little bit of whiskey? <laughs> well. Is there a go-to uh, beverage with that pie? There's not a go-to. Uh, we, we, we do take down our share of, uh, of beverages, um, you know, especially as we've gotten older and, you know, with the brothers all older and now some of the grandkids are of age, we can do things like that. But uh, typically it's mostly you know wine or uh rum and coke so nothing real crazy okay fair enough fair enough it's you know the holidays are crazy enough we don't need to make it too crazy yeah i get that oh go ahead go ahead i was just gonna say i we should probably get i i didn't ask yours though oh okay i was gonna say real quickly that we have a a few years ago, we came up with a thing where we do uh, leftover mashed potatoes and stuffing. You mix that with an egg and some cheese, and you make waffles out of that. Ooh. So you have a stuffing and mashed potato waffle. And then you take the cranberry, and you take the turkey, and you take the Brussels sprouts, and you make a sandwich out of that. Maybe some of the ham. It, it It's literally a game changer. Like, I, I don't want to give out leftovers when people come over for... Uh, I don't want to give up leftovers when people come over. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I got to eat that. That's, that's, that's heaven to me. So mm-hmm. I'm not really a turkey fan. You know, I can't wait for roast beast for Christmas and new year. So that's, I'll make a prime rib. That's, that's where my jam is. When I think about my food, my, that's my controversial yeah. take. I don't like turkey. It, it's I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I'll have a little bit of a thigh, but everything else is a little too dry, a little too, too healthy, man. That, yeah. you know. <laughs> There you go. So you you are right. We we are not here to talk about Thanksgiving, although I'm sure everybody had a Thanksgiving story to share. We're here to talk about some prospects, uh, some people that are uh, entering into our understanding in the fantasy game because they've been drafted into a team or they are. Uh, posted for signing. Uh, At this point, we don't know a lot of the international uh, signings that are going to happen. That's going to change the landscape uh, again a little bit. But for right now, we've we've got some names and there's some opinions that have come out about them. And so, Ben, I'm going to lean on you uh, to kind of guide us through some of these players that uh, we hear people talking about, either on Twitter or other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll get to you, Donovan. We'll get to you. <laughs> That's right, baby. So, uh, why don't you just get into it? Let's let's start the conversation. Yeah. What, what is the landscape? What's going on? Talk to us. Well, if if you play in dynasty leagues, this is going to be your year to stack up on early draft picks 
the top of the player pool as far as talent for the for a first year player draft. I don't ever remember it being this good in the top ten. Um, I mean. There's been some really good top four or fives. You know, when you Darvish came over, that was a really good draft year. I'm trying to – and uh, when when uh, Chapman came over, that was – I think Chapman might have come over the same year that Trout was um, a draft prospect. So that was a really, really good year. Um, but if you go back and look, this is – unless something goes desperately wrong – this is going to go down as one of the best first-year player draft groups that we have had. Um, I like that. The, the big key comes off of our draft this year. The top five picks in this year's draft would have been a number one pick in basically any other year. These are elite guys. Um, you know, I hear Tigers fans not a big fan of of the Max Clark pick where they got him because you know it left other guys on the board but man you you can't you can't blame him with that talent Max right. Clark is an elite guy and I have him uh ranked 6th in the the uh, top 100 I just put out for Rotoballer the top 100 for FYPD I have Clark 6th and I don't I just don't feel like it's a big I don't, I don't feel like you're losing a lot getting him in the sixth spot because, I mean, that's a guy that in a lot of years, that'd be your number one overall pick, and you wouldn't think twice about it. Right. Um, so, But the guy is <laughs> top of the – I was just going to say, and he's only six because we have somebody coming over from Japan yeah. that's in that top five. In that top five, yep. I and, you have him number two, correct? Yep, yep. And, I mean, the big guy that everyone's going to want to talk about and you're going to trade – what I will tell you, don't get stupid and trade your world away for Wyatt Langford. I love him. I think he's going to be an all-star caliber, caliber player for years. But trading away all kinds of draft capital for a guy who has never touched the major leagues is – or all kinds of player capital for a draft pick in order to get a guy who has you know, never played in the major leagues – that's how you end up as a dynasty team that's working from the bottom. Um, and there's nothing wrong if you've got the draft capital to make that move and it's not really hurting your team. Absolutely. Go get Langford. He's going to be that kind of a guy. But I think perhaps it's gone from the point of Langford fell behind Cruz and Skeens in everyone's college eyes and was maybe even a little underrated to the point where there are people talking about him as the number one overall prospect in all of baseball over Jackson Holiday right now. What the crap? <laughs> like that? No. Like you've seen Jackson Holiday do it for a full year across all the levels of minor leagues at nineteen. Right. You, I mean, yeah, it's not the same thing. Well, so. helium helium is a real thing, and oh, yeah. I don't think that there's a non-zero chance that Wyatt Langford is better than Jackson Holiday. I don't think it's non-zero, but yeah, you know, I think to your point, there's a little bit more uh, trust that we can have in what Holiday's done versus oh, yeah. Langford. Uh, but both are shiny, and the helium is oh, real. Yeah. Oh yeah, especially with winning a World Series and the lineup that he could be uh, graduating into. Uh, Absolutely, the ability to have counting stats galore. Uh, both uh, batters to knock in and batters to knock him in. Uh, I think I think that there's some some reasonable uh, you know arguments for why people feel that way, but mm -hmm. it is what it is. So we have this top six that you feel confident about. All mm -hmm. all six of them are elite talents. Why don't we talk about some of the uh, other players that are coming in that you have caught your eye that you're real excited about that people should oh. be not sleeping on. I mean, the big guy, and, and I mean, you know, I have him ranked seven for a reason, um, but that's Matt Shaw with the Cubs. Um, what I have found when putting together this list, I, I want to say I'm looking here. I'm down to number 12, and I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys in the top 12. And then if you want to just kick down all the way to 15, there's one who already debuted. So you're talking nine of the top 15 
should hit the majors at some point by the end of next year out of a draft class this year or out of a first-year player draft, that is. That's a ridiculous amount of ready talent. Yeah. That's a big, big deal. Um, you know, I really like Shaw. I think he's a guy, if the Cubs feel like he could play third and they don't shore up that position this offseason, he could absolutely be out midseason. Uh, otherwise, he's probably going to be an end-of-year call-up at, you know, sticking up the middle, second or or third, prim, or second or short, primarily. But I think his probably his major league home is going to be second base long-term. And right now the Cubs have Nico Horner there. So they've got to create space for him. That Really, this is not a problem with Shaw's bat. Shaw is going to be a guy who gives you – I, I've I've compared his bat a lot to Carlos Bayerga. And if you remember Carlos Bayerga when he was at his best with the with the uh, well Indians at the time, you know, I'll I'll avoid ma- having to throw the quarter in the jar this time, but it was the Indians when he played for them. Carlos Bayerga was a beast of a second baseman. You know, he was 300, 40 doubles, 20, 25 home runs, he get you 10, 15 steals. And he was all kinds of runs in RBI. That's the type of player you're talking about with Shaw here. And that's going to be a fun player to enjoy. Um, but there's a lot of guys that should be up early. And shoot, I even have Hurston Waldrop with the with the Braves listed as a 2025 guy. But we've seen how the Braves push their, their players if they're ready. If they show they're ready, they'll be up. And with his raw stuff... God, he could come up and pitch two, three innings out of the bullpen and really help that team starting pretty much midsummer. You know, that could be a huge thing. The the only thing I think about with the Braves and their pitching is just how many diverse names they have in that mm-hmm. pitching lineup. But coming up as a bullpen arm, doing something like that, I think is is tenable because they do. If you if you can pitch, they'll let you throw. You know, they'll bring oh, yeah. you up and, and put you in front of talent. You know, maybe not high leverage situations, but there's always a need to have somebody cover an inning either in a blowout one way or the other. Normally the Braves are the ones doing the blowing out, but yeah, well, with their offense last year, it certainly was. But yeah. You know, then we get into our, our international crop this year, which is really it's I mean, there's only maybe a half dozen guys that are coming over from Japan or Korea that have never played in the major leagues. So that's usually what qualifies in this. And there's, you know, everyone knows Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Easy for me to say. Um, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. He has legit ace type of stuff. There's a lot of potential for him to be in that realm of what Kodai Sengai did this year and maybe even a touch more. Yeah, that's that's the type of pitcher you're talking about here. The only concern I have watching him is he's five foot eleven doing it, and that's not saying that it's going to forever hurt him. But you can call it a bias all you want because it is. But I watch a guy doing a guy who's six three ish making that same kind of pitch there's just something that flows better in the body. It looks shorter. It looks more, it looks more like you're exploding like a firecracker instead of exploding like a long range missile. And that's a big difference to me as far as the health of the arm, the health of the, you know, the obliques, the legs, the everything. When you're snapping to get that kind of velocity, that kind of movement, it can really, it can do a lot of things to the body. Um, but man, the stuff is just there. It, he's got frontline level stuff. So we don't we don't see it a lot, you know. But he has had a, a pretty decent workload the last few years mm-hmm. over in Japan. And you know, I think about Pedro Martinez, who had a very slight frame, yeah. didn't have that extension that a Randy Johnson or a Tom Glavin would have. You know, Greg Maddox was stocky. He was he was he was you know he wasn't buffed out but he wasn't thin he didn't have that rail thin thing and he didn't actually throw super hard he relied on you know just being the best pitcher ever 
one of them anyway. Yeah. Uh, but I, I see Yamamoto having uh, that kind of a, a frame that that allows that wiry strength. He allows for you know whipping and angles to happen. Uh, his motion seems pretty fluid when he throws. I mean, it's he he's. Yeah. <laughs> I'm impressed by him. I'm I'm you know. I don't expect the Mariners to do anything anymore. I've given up, uh, but I would love to see him in a uniform. Him him and Ray and Gilbert and Kirby and uh, Castillo trade off Woo and Miller for, you know, some bats. Anyway, I I like Yamamoto. I I like him at number two for you, and I think that he's – you know, he, he's the cream of that international crop that's coming oh, out. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's there's actually it's a you know, you say six names, but that's that that feels fairly deep for, uh, you know, players coming over across the Pacific. So are there any other yeah. names you're interested in that group? Um, I guess just a very brief thing. Um, Shoto Shota Imanaga. Um, and, you know, I apologize to anyone who wants to tell me I'm pronouncing these wrong because I, I'm sure I am. But he just reminds me of a Wade Miley. He's going to come in. He's going to be somebody's fourth starter. He's going to toss 190 innings. He's going to have a 380 ERA with a 115 whip and strike out eight batters in, you know, every nine. And just be a freaking consistent guy at the back of a rotation. I really like him as that type of a guy. I have him ranked number eight only because, or for a big reason, he's not, there's just not guys like that. You know, look around, try to draft a starting pitcher in your single-year leagues right now and find a guy that's going to give you 180 innings. Right. They're just not there, and that's the type of guy I think he is. Yeah. And I, you know, there's several rotations, you know, Baltimore, New York, Cincinnati. I mean, there's several places that he could be very interesting for some of that blossoming young talent that they have in those places where, yeah, 180 innings of just, you know, uh, slightly above major league uh, average stuff would be perfectly fine for them. They would do just fine having that in their lineup. So, and then the, the one hitter coming over to know about is Jung Hu Lee coming over from Korea. Now, if you liked, if you drafted and liked what you got from Masataka Yoshida with the Red Sox this last year, you're going to really like Jung Hu Lee because that's a very similar profile. A lot of contact. 15 home runs will be a blessing. Um, but he's a guy, and he's probably not going to steal you 40. You know, he's got good speed. He's an elite defender that's going to hit 300. That's that's a hell of a profile to have. But I think being the top, being the guy that's getting the the press that he is, I think a lot of people are looking at, oh, well, and he's just good. He's going to be a fantasy darling, and he's only 25. Think of the growth he can have. Yeah, I think he is what he is. He's going to be a guy who hits for good average and he'll give you double digit home runs, maybe double digit steals, but probably not a lot more than that on either. Right. And I think the KBL is just a slight step down from mm-hmm. uh, the league in Japan. Uh, and, yep. you know, we saw with Haseon Kim, like he, it took him a year, year and a half to really get comfortable in the majors and his role. And so, um, you know, I think that you, when you talk about Lee that, you know, it's not necessarily you're drafting him for 24. He could give you some value, but really he's a 25, 26. He's somebody that, you know, isn't going to stay in your minors because he's going to be playing in the majors. We got commercials coming up for you next year on the Palazzo podcast. But after the break, Ben will tell you why you never go to Cedar Point without Gold Bond Medicated Powder. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, 
Smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The only people we haven't talked about are some of these high school bats that are yeah. kind of coming up. Um, you know, I'm sure one of the names that's on everybody's list is Colt Emerson. You want to talk a little bit about him and anybody else that's caught your eye? Emerson was a guy I really, really liked coming out of high school in Colorado. And he got into the Seattle system and just hit and just didn't stop hitting from the moment he started and just, he has pushed himself up a lot of boards beyond what he started out the off season as. Um, there is a very, very deep high school bat class here. And for folks who may might miss out at the very top, you're talking about a lot of guys that in a normal year are your back half of the first round. And I have Emerson at 17. That's a guy you're going to be able to get with like the fifth pick in the second round because that's how deep this group is. And so there's a very good chance you're going to get some really talented high school bats going into the fourth round. I mean, there's going to be some really talented guys that deep. And the thing to look at is, you know, I, I love that. I love uh, Ty Pete that the Mariners also got. The Mariners had a really fun draft of high school hitters. There are You're a lot of, not me. I did. I just to let everybody. <laughs> I didn't set him up for this. I just. I, just, I like their card, as brother. I look at it. I like it. The Pretty other guy cool. who I am going to really be pushing to get Aiden Miller of the Phillies. Um, I think if Aiden Miller would have been six months younger, he's a top ten pick. It's one of those guys who has so much stinking talent, but he was 19 already at draft time. And for some stupid reason, major league teams go, oh, gosh, let's back off of that guy because he's already turned 19. He's old for a high school guy. Aiden Miller could just freaking hit, and he wasn't out of place as a shortstop in complex ball. It wasn't, it wasn't elite defense by any means, but he wasn't out of place. And so, I mean, everyone immediately thought he'd move to third, and that might be the long-term home. But holy cow, if he can – if the bat is as good as it's been advertised, that's a kid that could move up pretty quick in that Philly system. And, of course, you know, it's not like they don't have, you know, Harper and Turner and, you know, Schwarber and plenty of offense in Philadelphia already. So you add in another kid that might be able to knock out 20 bombs. You know, gee, that's that's – it's nice to have that problem in your in your minor league system, right? <laughs> but right, so that, that's that's probably the last guy I'll highlight. The, I, I'd encourage folks to check out. Uh, I'm going to keep updating the first year player draft board, um, specifically when they when we get it signed or get signings from like Yamamoto and those type of guys, and or we're going to see come January a whole new class of 16-year-old kids from Latin America. You don't want to jump on those. I mean, Ethan Salas is a whole rare bird, and I even think his bat was exposed as he got up in the minors. The kid's glove work behind the plate is holy crap elite. He does not look 17. I, no, I literally, no, I, did, I did not even want to look at him because he was 16 when they when they drafted him, and he was like 
this kid. I'm like, at first, he's a catching prospect. You don't care about yep. them as teenagers. Number two, he's 16. Like, how far? Yep. That kid looks legit. And you say that there's holes in his bat. Sure. But, like, yeah. he's 17 oh, against yeah. men. He's playing against 19, 20-year-old. He's, he's I, I like I like Mr. Salas. Yeah. I think, I think he's got some talent. I think he's a guy who's who's going to potentially have a path similar to what Yadier did. He's going to get to the majors on his defense. His bat is significantly better if it all works out than Yadi Molina's was. And Yadi had some very good years, but Yadi's bat, if you look at the first like 10 years of his career, Yadi was like a 230 hitter. He got to the majors because he was such a stinking great defender. And I think Salas is such an advanced defender, maybe not in the same type of way, but he really knows how to handle himself behind the plate. He can block well, all those sorts of things. He's not the holy cow guy at throwing people out the way that Molina was, but he's going to earn his way to the majors with his glove behind the plate and then have to adjust his bat as he goes along, which that's, but once again, this is a once in a very blue moon type of prospect that totally. can get to the majors before he's oh, 20. Totally. He's totally, it's, and he's an exception to so, most of the rules that you have when you think about, you know, how, how do I want to value these people? How do I want to yeah. value these prospects in, in a, in a roster? And so, no, he's going to be, you know, interestingly enough, I think because of the point that you made, I think it's very honest that maybe in three or four years, he's a real buy low because he, he hasn't quite hit in the majors and people can't mm-hmm. roster him necessarily. So he's fun. He's fun. Okay, Sam. It's time for Donovan's request. Yeah. <laughs> hey, words out of my mouth. So uh, we did have some news. Uh, Jackson Churio uh, met... Uh, the Brewers demands and signed uh, <laughs> a deal. Uh, eight years, $80 million, I believe, are the numbers for it, which are phenomenal for buying out uh, yeah. all of his uh, arbitration years. And uh, he gave him a couple extra. Uh, you know, I think it's a pretty club friendly deal, also, yeah. uh, especially if he, he turns out to be the player that a lot of the hype in Helium has him being. Uh, Talk a little bit about Jackson Cheerio. Uh, the deal's great for for us as as fantasy players because we know he's going to be in that lineup. Yeah, and that's that's the big thing on the fantasy end. Cheerio tomorrow in the major leagues could be a twenty forty guy. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that might be something you have to deal with is that he's a 250, 2040 guy right away, but that bat adjusts. If you watch him last year in double a, when they had that sticky ball and it was, you know, pitchers striking out everybody and their moms, um, Churio had a really crappy first half with that sticky ball, but he adjusted at 19 in double A, right. he adjusted and just beat the crap out of the ball for the second half of the season. And he, even when he wasn't hitting well for average, he was a, a 2050 guy last year. You know, he was on that kind of a pace where he was, I, I guess I'd have to look to make sure. I don't think he got to 30 dingers, did he? No, it was just 22 is what he ended up with, but 22, 43. Or 44, 22, 44. He got one steal in AAA in a short little thing at the end of the year. So 22 homers, 44 stolen bases. He drove in 91 in 128 games in AA. Yeah. And he was batting first most of the time, and he drove in 91. Yep. You know, this is a kid who's he just everything about him screams that he's ready. And, oh, by the way, while he's in Venezuela so far this winter – He's hitting 379, 453, 530, playing in the same league that Ronald Acuna is, and he's got an equal amount of walks and strikeouts. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, what the heck? It's a small <laughs> sample, but everywhere he goes, he just hits oh, the book. It's he's going to be a lot of fun for Brewers fans for a long time. And I think yep. that 
I think that, you know, his floor is going to be 260, 20, 35, 20, 40. I think that's his floor. I think you could see somebody. I don't think the power is much more than 25 home runs for a year. I think I think you have a smaller window for his power. But he could be a 25, 50 player, hit 300 one or two years, you know, 280 to 300 at the very least on a very regular basis. Uh, he plays and he walks. He doesn't strike out a ton. He does have some some swing and miss, but it's only because he, you know, he wants to put that ball in play. You know, he hits the ball hard. He's so. he's the type of guy I can see him. You know, you mentioned he's got twenty five game power right now. I've watched a you know they they show videos of him in batting practice ahead of the game. The kid has legit raw power. It's just translating it to the game, and that's not his approach because he's been their leadoff hitter. Right. You know, oh, and, absolutely. And I could see him doing similar to like a Corbin Carroll for a while, but I think that if they end up putting him, let's say, second or third in the lineup, I think you're talking about a guy who could be a legit 30-30 candidate. I compared him years ago, like two, three years ago, whatever it was, when he was first kind of hitting, breaking out, I watched him, and the first thing that came out of my mouth was Ron Gant. He just he reminded me a ton athletically of Ron Gant. Okay. And, and, you know, Ron never really figured out how to take a lot of walks, but he didn't have to because he didn't strike out much either. He made a lot of freaking contact, and he took a pretty skinny body and figured out when to unleash the power. And he pulled a lot. I, I swear the guy hit every freaking ball down the left field line that he got for a home run. Every freaking home run that Ron Gant hit went down the left field line. If you know how to turn on a ball and when to turn on a ball, you can take average, above average power and turn it into a 30 home run guy. It's just well, a matter of knowing how to how to and when to. Nolan Arenado has done that for years. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, you know, I mean, the, oh, the, the, the different position, but archetype is there that you, you don't you don't necessarily have to be a power player. My 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 whole thing about his his home runs is he so he could grow into he's at an age where he could still go through another uh, body change. He could put on more bulk and become bigger. That might change a little bit of his his power, I think, um, just inherently and not necessarily lose as much contact. I think like Noel V. Marte who people didn't necessarily think of him as a, a, a big power guy. He really grew into that frame. And, yep. you know, as, as much talent as the Mariners got when they traded him away, like he'd be their starting third baseman right now after yep. trading Suarez. And we wouldn't, we wouldn't be sad about trading Suarez. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, so, that's a whole nother discussion. Yeah, but, neither, neither. So the, the thing with Cheerios contract here, you know, you and I were talking earlier today. There's really good examples and there's really bad examples of doing this. There yep. doesn't seem to really be much in between. Evan White, yeah, he won a gold glove, but that bat never figured it out in the major league level. John Singleton became a fun story this last year because he finally made it back to the majors at like age 30 after right. playing out his entire contract, being broke smoking himself out of the league, all sorts of fun things that John Singleton did. Your your really good example of a guy who's getting a contract like this is Luis Robert, uh, at least in recent memory. Um, I mean, frankly, you know, Corbin Carroll only had, you know, a month's worth of games under his belt when he signed that contract this last offseason right. with Arizona. So you can have that type of stuff. I think – the other guy who I'm really interested in as far as the elite top prospects go, there was rumbling at the end of last year about Jackson Holiday. That would be a big statement by Baltimore that they're handing over the starting job to him if they come out and do a deal like this. But that's absolutely a freaking organization that would do a deal like this. Come out and give Jackson Holiday, you know, 10 years and 140. You know, that wouldn't be a dumb move if you break it down. I mean, think about, I mean, the Braves are paying more than that per year to Ronald Acuna Jr. And they get ripped on constantly for that contract. 
that they took advantage of a kid. Well, they gave him a guaranteed hundred million dollars. You know, his life is set. He's if he gets injured tomorrow and never plays another game, Ronald Acuna Jr. has a hundred million dollars that's going into his bank account. Right. You know, that's why these guys sign those deals. But there's plenty of risk on the other end. You and I, you know, the Evan Whites of the world are walking away with some money in their bank. John Singleton, well, he had money in his bank, but you know, guys like that, they had money and it's there forever, even though they failed. So I don't think you'll ever see this happen to a pitcher. That was one thing that was mentioned last year with, uh, with Yuri Perez. Somebody made a comment um, to Kim Ang at the time and said, are you going to consider signing Perez for a long-term deal? Be, you know, early on in his career, she said, uh, no, it's not our policy to offer a deal like that to any pitcher, which duh, <laughs> I'm sorry, but duh. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that it's, it's something that you'd only offer to a hitter. Uh, I think 10, 140, even for holiday is pretty aggressive for somebody who's oh, absolutely major. So I don't, you know, but, but I, I bet he doesn't sign Jared for a dollar less. I well, I, I don't think he does either. But I, I think of Jared Kelnick. You know, again, not to bring yeah. up that team, but there's somebody who everybody <laughs> thought was going to be elite and had all of the stats and and proof in the minors and got called up and just didn't have it necessarily up there. You know, he's still young. He's still not. You know, it, there's still a chance for him to change. But you wouldn't offer him. You know, five fifty right now, would you? You wouldn't no, offer. No. I would. Um, I want him to play out his arbitration years a little bit more and see if he can really turn the corner. It's not like he's Julio who they signed to that mega deal. Yeah. And that's, so. I think that's where the, this discussion should kind of begin end end is we're, we're talking about in general with players like this guys who are 22 and younger. Yeah. And I mean, if tomorrow the Texas Rangers came out and they signed Evan Carter to a nine-year deal that's going to pay him $100 million, yeah, he looked like a stud in the playoffs, but he's got something like 30 at-bats at the major league level. Right. You know, there's a huge risk there. I love Evan Carter. I think the kid's going to be a consistent ball player for a lot of years, but that might be all he is, is a consistent ball player. Right. He just he might never turn into a 25 home run, 30 home run type of guy. He might never turn into that kind of a player to where you really want to lock him in for 10 years. Right. That's the risk these teams are taking. And it takes a special kind of person to be able to handle this kind of deal. And I would imagine, you know, the Brewers have had some elite prospects recently come through their system and they've not locked them up. And you kind of have to wonder if there's, you know, they know something about Turio's mentality and everything you hear or read or anything about this kid raves about who he is as a person. Well, and I think I think you hit on why this is so tough is that it's 90 percent physical, but it's half mental. You know, there's this real huge component and, and you know, your brain isn't even fully developed until your mid 20s, your, your whole frontal lobe is still going through major changes. You're still developing synapses and, and adjusting to things and learning. And, and there's still not as much as when you're a kid, but there's still some elasticity in the way that you're, you're mm -hmm. able to conceive things. And development is not linear. You know, you can't just say, well, he did this this year, so this is what he's going to do next year. You never know what's going to happen. And I think of, you know, players like Ha Young Kim that came over. You know, how much of it is I'm now in a new situation. I, I need to be comfortable. I have to develop a routine. I have to find things that I trust. I need to be able to deal with being homesick. You know, a lot of these young kids are dealing with the same thing. They're no longer at home. They're no longer with their team, either high school or college. They're getting moved around. The minors is a tough place to be. You know, as much as we love the minors and talk about it, it's, it's a grind. You play baseball because you love it. At that level, yeah. you're not playing it to make money unless you're one of a few international signees that get a ridiculous signing bonus when you come in, you know, or you're a top draft pick. So, 
Yeah, there's a lot to go. Uh, look forward to uh, the rest of this offseason. Oh, yeah. the, the, the Brewers got a huge feather in their cap. Yeah. You know, a notch on their board, whatever you want to call it, man. Jackson Cheerio for the next eight years. I'm real excited for them and to see what he can yeah. do. Nothing but rooting for him. He is a good kid from all accounts, like you were starting to say. So, yeah, you, you got to be excited about that. Got one quick question, and then we're probably going to need to log off here. But Cunha's little brother, I'm assuming he's talking about Luis Aniel, Um And he was traded to the Mets yep. in order for them to get Scherzer. I don't know that he's going to see the field for the Mets this year. The Mets are, I think the Met, unless the Mets really decide to implode the whole thing and just start over with Lindor as kind of their main piece. And I guess they've signed Nimmo for quite a while. He's probably not movable exactly at that salary, but you know, they're trying out whoever they can at third base. I don't think that's a position for Acuna. He has not got the the glo- or the arm for that. He's a solid shortstop it, just because he gets rid of the ball in a hurry. But playing third base, you need a different level of arm. And he just he's not that kind of a defender. And otherwise, they're you know he was playing some more center field. I could see that being a move. But I don't think that's a move until late in the season for the Mets, if they make it with him. Right. But they've got some some guys coming up into free agency, Alonzo and, oh gosh, I'm blanking on who else. They've got a number of guys hitting free agency next year to where they could just go, you know what, we got Francisco Alvarez, we got Lindor signed, we've got Nimmo for a while. We're just going to blow this crap up, use our money power, to do it and we're going to get back some elite prospects that are ready in a year or two and they have the kind of money to where they could pay all of Nimmo's salary out the door right you know that's the crazy thing and that's how they got decent prospects for a guy like Scherzer who was 40 and making 35 million is they said hey we'll pay most of that and you just give us a good prospect right hell yeah you know so um, but no, I, I like I like Acuna. I don't think I like him as much as a lot of uh, industry folks do, but <coughs> I think he's he's going to be an interesting guy to watch in the Mets just to see what they do with him this year. So there's there's our one one question we could get to. <laughs> so and I'm always I'm always so reticent about siblings of elite outfielders. Mm-hmm. You know, I I rooted for Craig Griffey, so. Yeah, you know, and you can hate him as a manager. Aaron Boone was no Brett Boone. Um, You know, as far as top end of their careers, I think Aaron might have actually stuck around longer, but Aaron was absolutely a barely league average third baseman, but a pretty solid backup guy. Yeah, and, yeah, and came, up big, came up big in moments for the Yankees in the yeah. playoffs. You yep. know, he'll, he'll always be, uh, you know, part of the Yankee lore for sure. But Pat Boone was a monster at second base. Yeah. That guy was just. <laughs> and you normally you, you just you don't normally have two brothers that come out that are that elite, right? You know, I mean, heck, we had twins back in the day with Ozzy and Jose Canseco, and obviously one was a lot better than the other. Now, right. We don't know how much uh, that was enhanced. Brothers. I'm trying to <laughs> yeah. think of somebody more recent than uh, the Alus back in the 60s and 70s, I think it was. but Well, yeah, the Alomar brothers were pretty solid. Sorry, absolutely. And, Sandy and Roberto, good call. Yeah. Good call. That That's probably about as close as you get. And then if you want to get into intelligence of the game, Mike Maddox and Greg Maddox are a hell of a duo. Yeah, okay. Okay. But, but Mike was not a great – major league pitcher but no but he was a great coach he's an exceptional coach yeah Yeah. so yeah so well sam it's been great we've i I always enjoy doing a show with you man it's it's always good chatting ball i appreciate learning i always feel like (laughs) a little bit bigger when i get to listen to you talk about some things uh you know if you haven't had a chance uh go on to whatever platform you listen to the podcast on give us a five-star rating we'd really appreciate that 
Uh, give us a thumbs up on our YouTube channel. Uh, you know, we are here to serve. If you have any questions, go ahead and hit us up on Twitter. I'm at SamFBB1. Uh, my man Ben is at Big Gentle Ben. Uh, so from the Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's, give me two. You talk. I'm Sam. That's give me two. Ben. Peace and love. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.